Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, on my coast, Eddie Richard, and we are back after Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. We're going to cover the Ducks. They finally got a regulation win. Uh, so some some positive news there. Uh, then obviously some more losses, unfortunately. So we'll go into all those and cover those. And Pat Verbeek uh, went on DuckStream and talked about the team. And he also talked to the media the day after that. So we're going to cover a lot of that. Kind of go over the, the season, uh, the first quarter, if you will. Uh, some more trade stuff uh, floating out there that we'll discuss and talk about tons of fan questions to get to as well. So so plenty of stuff to cover on the show. But uh, before we do that, Eddie, how was your Thanksgiving break? It was a little low-key. Um, I've been going wilding out, going out every weekend. The Vegas trip took a lot out of me. It was just uh, going crazy in Vegas the week before. So I just kind of took the time. Uh, it, it took the advantage of being off work and just pretty much stood home and did absolutely nothing. Uh had a nice little Thanksgiving dinner with my mom and my stepdad, and he was nice enough to uh, to help me with fix my drywall. If you guys listened to the last show, I had that tumble and fell down and big ass hole in the wall. I'm um, trying to find someone to fix it. We had our maintenance guy he said he was going to come and get it done for us, and then he went MIA. No one can find him, but he's kind of a drunk, so we think he got some law trouble or who knows what happened to him. But yeah, my stepdad was nice enough to take Thanksgiving and come over to my house and help me fix it. Well, he pretty much did 95% of the work. I just applied the paint. So that was pretty good. But yeah, I spent the time just doing nothing and it felt good. I had an an itch to write on Thanksgiving Day. So I took my laptop upstairs and hung out with my buddy, his son, his dad. And just typed away on the Trade Rumors uh, article and had a good time and played video games. My hockey game and Days Gone, I didn't play. If you guys play games, I'm not a big gamer, but... Days Gone's a zombie game was pretty cool. Yeah, I just spent the time just recharging my batteries, and it felt good. And then Sunday, Mike was nice enough to give me two tickets to the Ducks game against Seattle. That was really fun. Uh, I went there, and that's kind of rounded off my weekend and then the work week. How about yours, Mike? How did you? Hopefully, it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, actually, I uh, went out of town and visited some family in Arizona, so I, that's where I spent my weekend. I still caught all the games and watched them and whatnot. Um, you know, all, all these, um, I didn't go to them, but, uh, obviously you went to the one against Seattle and I, I didn't go to the New York or Ottawa one, but watch those and, you know, we'll break those down here in just a second. So did that also went to Vegas for one day, just kind of spur of the moment and uh, came back. I wasn't sure if I was going to get back in time for that game against Seattle. So that's why I figured you take the tickets and go and, um, I actually did make it back in time, but I just wasn't really sure with the holiday travel and coming back on Sunday with the weekend. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be stressed out trying to rush back and, and make it, and then something happened. So, yeah, it was good. It was low key, uh, just just a small amount of uh, family that we hung out and had a good time. And and same thing, like you said, it kind of uh, I took some time off of work and uh, recharged a little bit, and now I'm back in it. So. Uh, hey, yeah. Mike, since you mentioned Vegas, I don't know if you saw the odds that were recently posted by NHL, but the Ducks are at 30000 to 1 to win the Pacific Division, meaning if you bet $100, you can potentially win $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that bet though. Use that hundred dollars and buy like two beers at Honda Center, but don't don't bet on the Ducks to win the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't take that bet. And yeah, I'd, I'd save the money so I could, I could pay those those expensive beers at Honda Center. <laughs> that we're gonna keep crying about every show, but then we're gonna buy them every game. So yeah, it, it is what it is. It's it's part of the the entertainment, right? When you're there, so. But yeah, I mean, the good thing with the Ducks this last week is they finally uh, got a regulation win. Uh, they had the Rangers come to town. You know, the Rangers have been playing pretty decent this season. Um, the Ducks. You know they played a solid uh, 40 minutes uh, against New York. They they had a 3-2 lead. Um, you had McTavish getting a goal, Terry getting a goal. Um, you know even Kulikov getting in there with a goal, and and things looked good. Uh, then they uh, <laughs> kind of went to a shell in that third period, where they were outshot 17 to two, and uh, you know they had to rely on on the goalie there to uh, pull this one out. Um, you know, but Gibson was true to the task in that third period, and the Ducks were able to pull this out, um, and and they avoided the, that Coyotes record of 2017 and 18, Eddie. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, as much as I want to give all the credit to the Ducks, it, it wasn't just that the Rangers have been playing poorly as of late. Halak is still yet to secure a win, and he let in a, a, the first goal. Obviously, a hundred percent was should have been saved. Second one was kind of questionable, but he, but he let in some bad goals that kind of helped the, the Ducks get their first regulation win, and it gives him the rest hitting on his head. Uh, Shesterkin, too, after the last loss the other night, said that the goalie's playing like shit, and if you guys know who he is, he's their their all-star Vezna Trophy goalie, and they just haven't been playing well at all, the Rangers, and the Ducks capitalized on that, so it was a really good, thankful thing to have a first regulation win before Thanksgiving. Yeah, if you wanted uh, something for Thanksgiving to be thankful for, it was the Ducks getting a regulation win and not not tying that record. And, and you're right, the the Rangers played uh, well for you know the beginning of the season, but you're right, as of late, they have not played as well. So the Ducks were able to squeeze that one out and get a, a three-two win and avoid um, you know tying that that twenty game uh, without a regulation win streak that the Coyotes had. So uh, you know, good good game overall. Like I said, the Ducks didn't play that great in the third period Gibson bailed them out and they were able to you know pull off the win and you kind of thought okay well maybe the Ducks will build some momentum they'll go into that Black Friday game that they have every year uh, you know at the noontime and uh, well it didn't really go the way that we thought um, Boyu did come back remember he, he had hurt his arm so he was back in this game Klingberg was out with a lower body injury and, he, and he's still been out we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show but um, I was kind of surprised. Stolar started in this game. I thought Gibson would have started because of the way he played, especially at the end of that game against the Rangers. But instead, they put Stolars in. Um, the Ducks had some chances early in this game. They had some power plays and stuff, could not convert. And then, um, you know, the, the Ottawa started scoring goals and whatnot after that. And it just kind of fell apart after that. They, um, you know, gave up a power play goal. They gave up a late goal at the end of the first period. And, and then another power play goal in the second period. And, and next thing you knew, um, they were down 4 nothing, and they, they just couldn't recover in this one, Eddie. And it's just unfortunate. You thought that they had some momentum after beating New York, but any of that momentum they had, it was really taken out, especially in the second period of this game. Hey, I think they ate too much for Thanksgiving. Or maybe their Thanksgiving hangover or something. I have no idea what was going on in this game. Um, it was just a, a big shit show. One thing I forgot to do and I wanted to do before this show, I wanted to go back and see all the Black Friday games and get the, uh, in a record. I think I wrote a, an article a couple seasons ago on their like, all-time like record about um, their Black Friday games. So I wanted to go ahead and do that, which I forgot to do. I've been busy lately. But yeah, 
But what was surprising too is Stutzel uh, didn't get any supplemental discipline after his uh, him hitting the butt end of the stick. To, I believe it was Kulikov hitting the face. Benoit. Oh Benoit, yeah. It's like, dude, come on, like not not to get any tough like supplemental di- uh, discipline for that. Cogliano was suspended for way way less, and nothing goes. Um, I, I do want to acknowledge the Strom and Kachuk fight. Strom. I think he had it. He brought it upon himself. That was a dangerous play. I think it was out of frustration that he just let his emotions get to him. The wires got crossed, and he did that dangerous play and uh, cross-checking the the player with his numbers to him. Um, I, I give him respect though because he answered the bell. Uh, you can see him talking to Kachuk. It's like, all right, well, it's like he knows he has to answer the bell. He knows that that's the code of hockey. Kachuk's a tough customer. Probably one of my favorite players in the league, just the way he plays. He unfortunately got his ass beat, but you know what? At least he was uh, he was man enough to answer the call. He knew that he had to do it, and that, that's the respect I have to give him as a player. And and that's it. It's done. It's done. He he made a mistake. He answered it, and there's no more animosity toward it. So that's that's one thing of the code in hockey I really love about. Yeah, I'm with you. Though though the way that that went down, you could tell. You could tell too after Strom did the play, like he's like, "Dang it!" He kind of was oh, like, yeah. "You know," and he was like, "He was like, he even like, you could t- uh, tell he mentioned something to Kachuk, like, really, dude, come on.'" And he's like, "Oh, you know what? Let's let's just go." Yeah, exactly. And, and you're right; he still did go. I mean, he didn't he didn't do well in the fight, but I mean, he he, he did give it a go. So um, that happened in there. That was a little bit interesting. And I'm with you. The thing with Stutzel, I was kind of surprised the Ducks only got a two minute power play. Uh, I don't know if the refs just thought it was just the glove and not the end of the stick. And then player safety was asleep Thanksgiving uh, weekend because they didn't do any kind of fines or hearings or anything um, during that weekend. They were just uh, eating turkey too, I guess. I don't I don't know what, what Peros and player safety were doing over the Thanksgiving break, but... I think Peros is more focused on the on Colorado's game, seeing if Cogliano was going to headshot anyone or something like that. But yeah, it, it was it's like I said, it was good to see him drop the gloves. And but there's been pretty good scraps this season. I don't know, Mike, uh, you posted the one about um, Jamie Benn and Josh Manson. Delore had one against Marcus Pedersen, uh, two former Ducks that that went at it. It's it's been pretty cool. We saw uh, what was last night. I, I I know you didn't see it, but. There's a fan fight at the Avalanche and Winnipeg game, and I guess two fans were getting escorted by security out, but they were like having some altercation, and a Winnipeg fan jumped in the mix and grabbed the guy and put him in a headlock, ends up getting slammed down the boards and cut his head and stuff like that. He's okay. Those two fans got kicked out and charged, but there's no short of fights in the league this year, so it's good to see. I just wish the Ducks had a little bit more fight in them, and I don't want to see players like Strom getting into a fight or Terry or Zegers. I know Zegers has been kind of fired up some of the games and he's been in players' faces, but I, w- I don't want to see players like that get, a- get into fights. But, but I'm really glad that Strom did answer the bell. But I want to see more of the fight from the Ducks. I want that, that nastiness to come back from the Ducks. Like, yeah, I know they're a bottom feeder team, but, hey, you're not going to walk all over us. Yeah, I mean, that that's one thing that uh, we'll talk about. Verbeek, too, later on when he talked about the Ducks, he kind of goes into some of that, too, in their play and, and, and the lack of consistency and different things like that. So I'll save that discussion, but you're right. I like to see that, too, more in this game. The one only other thing I thought was funny in this game is that Jones scored late in the game to break the shutout. 
And then Ottawa had the audacity to actually challenge the call. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, you guys are winning 5 nothing. Are you really that concerned about the shutout? So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why Ottawa uh, challenged it. Uh, maybe they're still sore from 2007, Eddie. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, funny story about that. I, I, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but I went to Universal Studios a couple years ago. And there were a bunch of fans, uh, hockey fans. I was in this this group. We did a VIP tour, and everybody in the group was hockey fans. There was like people from the East Coast, people from Europe, and then there was one couple from Ottawa, right? And as soon as I mentioned being a Ducks fan, they just got all like sore, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, well, the Ducks, this, this, and that." And I was just like, "Wow!" And this was probably, I don't know, 2017 or 18 or something like that. I'm like, you guys are, you know, 10 years uh, later, you're still sore about it i'm like okay so i, I don't know i just i had to throw that out there because to me i just thought that that was extremely lame um you know i, I don't know like you, you're already kicking the ducks butt. you got away uh with that hit on benoit from stutzel too um I, I i don't know i i just to me if the ducks were up five nothing their team scored a goal like i like if, even if the ducks did that i'd be like what are you guys doing like i don't know that that's just how i felt about that eddie yeah, it was kind of like a big F you to the Ducks, but yeah, they're probably sore or that. But you know what? I kind of understand because, like, as a – well, I played goal. I tried to play goalie. I, I'm terrible at it, but um, I think it's, a, it's important for goalies to get that, that, that shutout. So I think they just did it more for Cam Talbot just to get that shutout. But you know what? It's still a good goal to count it. And that was probably pissed off a lot of Ottawa fans, but still, like, at least we got one. We didn't get shut out completely blanked, so that was kind of cool. At least someone came to play to put the puck in the back of the net and uh, a little Black Friday special for the Senators to send them home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one little parting gift at the end there. So, But yeah, overall, disappointing game. Uh, unfortunately, the Ducks, I, I thought they played decent in the first period, but you know a couple late goals turned the tide there, and then they just couldn't recover in the second period. So unfortunately, they ended up losing you know, bad on the scoreboard on there. And uh, then they uh, continued the homestand against Seattle on Sunday, which is the game that you went to. Like I said, Klingberg is still out. We had uh, Grant came back from the IR, but then Comtois went on the IR. Uh, Vakanainen was recalled from his, his long-term conditioning loan, which was one game in San Diego, and uh, he did not play in this one. But uh, this one was a fun game, Eddie. You, you were there. Uh, Seattle took the lead 2-0. You know, the Ducks fought back. You had Terry scoring a goal. Then they were down 3-1. to one. You know, they, they fought back from that. They were down 4-2, to two, and the Ducks ended up getting a couple power play goals late in the second period, making it 4-4. Four to four. And then, unfortunately, uh, Chattenkirk runs into Gibson, in the third period, and that was the game-winning goal to former Ducks Sprong. But uh, this was, even though they lost, this was a very entertaining game uh, to watch. Uh, you know, I watched it at home, and you were there, Eddie, um, as they took on the Kraken. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm slowly converting my uh, my best friend's son, which is my godson, to a Ducks fan. It's the second game I brought him to. So he's uh, slowly converting to a Ducks fan. I try to get him to, to wear one of my jerseys because I have some... Uh, some jerseys, I, I collect jerseys, so I have like size small that he can fit into, even though I can't, maybe my leg can, but <laughs> but yeah, you know what, those first two goals, I was really frustrated, I'm like, dude, really, come on, and I told him, like, I even told him, like, hey, well, if the Ducks are going to really just put on a shit show like they did with Ottawa, then we'll just bounce out early, and we'll go get some dinner, and blah, 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 but I'm glad the Ducks came back, and they had a lot of fight in them, 
Uh, it took them a little while to, to get that, but w- once it happened, they just they looked like a really good team. It was a really good game despite the loss, and they really uh, they really didn't back down at all. McTavish ended up scoring a goal. It put him in the tied for then that night tied for uh, third place as uh, scoring amongst rookies. So that's uh, that was good to see him get another goal. Uh, hopefully, he keeps getting going and getting more goals. One thing that really confused me about this game was Sprong scores his goal and kind of like puts his his hand to his ear. Like people give really people in Anaheim really give a crap that you're not playing on the team anymore. Like I, I don't understand why he was doing that. Like you're a fourth liner, barely on an expansion team. Like you're like probably one one season away from being a full-time AHL or I don't even think you can handle a top line in the AHL so I don't know why he was trying to like troll Ducks fans like he's like he matters and like he really really relevant that was a kind of irritating thing but yeah it was a good game we had some Seattle fans sitting in front of us they're really cool people uh the highlight of the game though uh, there was a guy uh two rows uh, two rows from us or sections I think he had a little too much $18 beers. He was screaming his ass off. Like, the whole arena can hear him just, Scar effing goal! Like, the top of his lungs screaming. I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't want to, like, look at that, acknowledge that guy if he saw me. But, yeah, that was the funniest thing. But, yeah, Mike, thank you again. I had a good time at that game. I ran into a buddy I play hockey with, uh, him and his daughter. So, we got to hang out with them. I got to see Jen. Uh, Jen made a comment too that uh, Jen Franklin made a comment that the, the bobblehead looked like Josh Manson a little bit, so that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. My fourth game this season. Uh, last uh, last couple seasons, I've been kind of just I don't know. Been, life has got to me, so I wasn't like going to games a lot. So this season, kind of a I think last season I went to two games total. Now I'm on my fourth game. I'm just got that itch again to be around the fans, to be around the game. I don't care if they're losing or not. I want them to win. Another fun fact too, Mike. This is my fourth game. Oh, it's two and two. This is the second game I went to without drinking a single alcoholic beverage because I had my godson with me. I'm not going to drink and and drive with him at all. I don't care if it's just a sip of beer or anything. I don't want to have that influence on him. But the Ducks are 2-0 when I go to games and I drink. And they're 0-2 when I go to games and don't drink. So I miss a correlation between that. So next time I go to a game with you, Mike, I'm just going to call an Uber and and just get completely annihilated. And... (laughs) Hopefully, Ducks get a win. Well, that's usually what happens when we go. We uh, like we talked about before. Hey, we, we we when we go, we drink, we have a good time, we Uber lift it. I, I like to run into ceilings and stuff and knock myself <laughs> out. Uh, you know, that's that's what happened. And I'm totally fine. Uh, you know, my 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 ribs were kind of uh, my ribs, and my back were kind of acting up for I don't know about <laughs> I'd say about two weeks. So it was kind of stupid on my part, but uh, yeah, maybe the eighteen dollar beers help us when we go to the games. I I don't know, but um, yeah, well, and, and when I say annihilate, like I don't act belligerent, like like Mike and I don't act like stupid, and like you see fans that go out of control. No, when I act belligerent, is I'm always at my house in the safety of my home, and I never drive. I'm not trying to lecture anyone. You guys can do what you want. You're an adult, but I I just feel like I shouldn't put anyone's life in danger. So I always elect to, even though I live further away from Honda Center. It only costs like 30, 40 bucks to, sh- to Uber back and forth. So I do that. Um, I-, I did want to say something funny too. My uh, my godson mentioned that Trevor Zegris, I don't know what was going on with his skates, but he like, fell like three or four times in the first period. I don't know if the cut was wrong with his skates. My godson was joking around like, oh, he might be drunk still from the weekend, but it was, it was kind of funny. 
one disappointment from this game that I got to was Silverberg. Silverberg did not look like he wanted to play at all. There was a, a rush that he could have went on, and he just kind of elects to just a, a really small wrist shot in the chest of Martin Jones. Like, I, I don't understand what's going on with Silverberg. I, I, he's been a, 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 one of my favorite players since he's, he's been on. It took me a while after the Bobby Ryan trade, but I, I don't know if it's it's one of those things that Ducks need to eat up salary and trade him. Uh, maybe a change of scenery is going to help him. Uh, I don't think the Ducks are going to get anything, but if you're having that attitude around the team and having that kind of uh, that play thing, I don't think he should be part of the team anymore. Scratch him a few games, wave him. It's just, it's just not – it doesn't seem like it's fair. And, and the, the kind of – the play I've seen from him in Seattle was just atrocious, and it, it shouldn't be tolerated by the, by the coach. It's something that should have been done. Yeah, that's uh, you know our buddy Tom in, in England. He sent us a bunch of questions, and uh, <laughs> he was messaging me about some of the stuff. And uh, he asked about that. He said the Silverberg Lundstrom Carrick line looked really awful against Seattle. You know, what are the alternates out there? You already kind of touched on that, and, and we'll go into a little bit more of that when we talk about our season review and the lines and changing it. But but I'm with you. Uh, it's it's sad, kind of. I, I mean, Silverberg has been really unnoticeable. Um, in these games, I, I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot of them out there. I, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean, he, he's just not really there. Um, Carrick's been okay. I think he's he's trying to get back from his injury, so he's not a, maybe 100%. So I kind of give him a little bit of a break. And yeah, Lundestrom's been inconsistent too. So I, I'll go into the alternatives when we talk about, about the team uh, overall in our, our, our quarter uh, season report thing. But uh, another thing Tom asked about too is the power play looks good. You know, the Ducks heading in the right direction. I think they've changed some stuff up on the power play and I think they are heading in the right direction. You've got Zegras now over on the left flank. You've got McTavish and Terry down low. Cam Fowler in the back um, shooting the puck. So, I, you know, I think they're, they're going in the right direction. Uh, on that they didn't have a chance to really do that in the Nashville game because they didn't get a power play in that game but uh, from what I saw in the Seattle game I think that is trending in the right direction and lastly I, I, the thing that you touched on was Sprong yeah I don't understand he scored that goal because Gibson was out of position and down from Shattenkirk so he basically had an open net and, and good on you for scoring that goal and not missing the net but I, I don't know why he put his hand up to his ear and was like taunting the crowd like most of the, I, I don't I don't get it, dude. Like, were the fans taunting him at the game, Eddie? No, like the fans were booing, just booing. Like, you know what? That game too. I I, I do want to give credit to the fans because they were really loud and passionate. Uh, you had a few chants of the Kraken going out there, but it was like overcome with Ducks fans. Like they were they were into it. It was a really good game. Probably uh, probably the best fan engagement I've seen all season. The, the well, the four games is a little the small sample size I've been to the games. But yeah, the fans were really into it, so that was really good to see. But I, I, I don't know why. Like after that, the fans were starting to boo him when he touched the puck. But it's just like, bro, you, you're not relevant. No one cares about you. You didn't do anything for the Ducks. He scored a couple good goals, maybe. But like to put your hand like that, like your Kirby Doc or someone, like you're nobody. Do you? You're going to be a forgotten memory and be in the AHL and a few seasons, and you'll probably end your career in the KHL or overseas somewhere. So I don't understand why he did that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember any of the fans really saying anything negative about him uh, recently at least and, and when he was on the team and, and and obviously didn't come back that was that was murray was running the team it's for beak now so i don't know dude like like cool for you sprung like good job you scored an empty net goal like i'm proud of you so you on know, a hurt goalie too yeah on a, on a goalie that was down and, and it looked like he hurt his leg which gibson did come back 
in the Nashville game, uh, which we'll just cover that now. I guess, you know, the Ducks um, started the road trip and uh, they played a really good game in Nashville. I was surprised Gibson actually came back and started in this game against Nashville and the Ducks played a really, really tight game. There was only two power plays in this one, both for uh, Nashville. I think there were some missed calls in there. The Ducks should have had a couple of power plays. I'm not going to. I don't like to say that you know they lose because of calls. I don't like going there, but uh, there were some calls in there that that could have been made and and weren't. But um, this game was good. I, I you know Terry uh, getting his tenth uh, goal in there. I, I thought they're going to go to overtime. They've been perfect in overtime, right? They've won all three times in overtime, and then um, or they've had to go to shootouts. And, and shootouts, they've been good too. I think they've only lost one shootout so far this season. But they end up losing this one in overtime. And man, it just the way it ended was so frustrating. Was Zegers making that pass to? I call it, someone asked me on Twitter, and I said the player was named Boards because he throws it to the boards, and then you know Nashville picks up and scores. But frustrating the way it ended. But they got a point, and and I mean I thought they played well in this game, Eddie. It was a, it was a fast paced game, and I thought they played well overall. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was surprised too. Uh, Nashville had a few games off. The their arena got flooded, so they couldn't play against Colorado or Columbus. Uh, maybe someone needs to fix the building over there. But yeah, I, I think Zegris is. Uh, I think sometimes Zegris, his, I think his thought process are his body moves faster than his mind because some of the plays that he makes, uh, I've noticed too. Uh, a few games he's been defensively irresponsible. And, and and just those little mistakes, but you know what? Like it, it's still those growing pains. This is, this is like sophomore season in the league. He's still learning. He's still developing. So we can't hold it against him. We can't just sit there and blame it all on Zegers, even even though it's so easy to do that. It's one mistake, and the other team capitalizes on uh, capitalizes on it. It was good to see Gibson come back and and play his stellar play uh, and do that. But it's just it's one of those things like. I know a lot of fans wanted to to beat Trashfield with their call, especially the that whole playoff thing and stuff like that. And we had to hear their stupid chant. But you know, just losing one zero in overtime, it well, it wasn't that bad. And we saw a lot of improvements from the Ducks uh, on this game, so we can just take that with the grain of salt and move forward. Yeah, it looked like there's maybe some miscommunication. Uh, you know, in that uh, overtime, like White went towards the bench and Zegers threw it back there, thinking he was there. I mean, it is what it is, but. Yeah, I was happy with the play overall. I thought, you know, the Ducks got a point, and, um, you know, it is what it is. So uh, they did get Vaca Nainen back in this game. I thought he played well coming back. You know, he hadn't played all season. Don't really know what the injury was. Um, obviously, he slammed into the boards in the preseason, so it was probably his back. Uh, maybe something with his neck and head, you know, but we don't know 100%. Just glad that he's back and on the ice, so... Well, he hasn't played a game since last season against Dallas when they had that uh, when the Ducks had the e bug. I think Dan Wood pointed that out that he he hadn't played a game since that game. So it's been a while since he actually played a regular season game. Yeah, you're right. He only he only appeared in those couple preseason games. That was it. So that's the good news uh, is that he came back, and the good news that Gibson wasn't seriously hurt because I didn't think he was going to start in this game. I thought, oh man, Stoller's going to oh, come in. No, especially the way his leg went back. Like I'm like, holy crap! That's like did not look good at all. No, it did not. So, um, so that's your recap of the games. Um, with that, we'll we'll move on to the next section. I just remind you that uh, our podcast is part of the Old City Sports Network. Uh, if you're looking for uh, different nutrition needs, one of the things that um, I use is Z Stack. 
um, for life. It's a, a multivitamin. I check it out, zstacklife.com. Enter my name, Mike, and the, and the code. You get a discount. It's a good uh, mix of vitamins, so check it out. Um, okay. I got to check it out, Mike. I, I have to go and actually get that and check it out. I'm, I'm taking a lot of stuff, like what like legal stuff, like supplements for working out. So I, I got to check that out. I'm, I'm always uh, keen to try new stuff, so. Yeah, well, and if you want, the other, uh, you can hit it now too, might as well, is uh, tell them about Bucked Up. You tried another thing with them as well? Yeah, it's called some deer antler velvet spray. Uh, it's supposed to help with, with recovery. It's supposed to help with, to maximize your strength. Um, I, I've been trying, I bought it during the Black Friday special sales that they had. Uh, you spray it under your tongue, six sprays under your tongue for uh, 20 seconds and you swallow it. It's supposed to help. Um, instantly I went to the gym today. I had a pretty good workout. I kind of maximized what I wanted to do. Um, and I instantly kind of felt after I took it 30 minutes after I felt a little surge of energy and, and to help my muscle structure and recovery. So if you guys want to try that, uh, you guys feel free to DM me. I have other stuff from bucked up too that I tried and I use. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and, and plug in ducks and pucks 93, you save 20% off and you get free shipping too. So, um, like I said, if you guys have any questions on working out, um, I can tell you the steps I use and what works for me. I do have a, a buddy. Uh, he's a he's a trainer, but he also does uh, competitions. He broke the the record for bench on his weight class. The actually uh, he broke yeah the world record because he's he's just he's crazy. He's really it's funny because he's really short. I think he's like five one five two. He stacks like three hundred and plus on the bench, and he just he's nuts. He this is his passion. This is his thing. So uh, yeah, if you ever looking for someone, just let me know. I can refer you to him too. But yeah. Check out Bucked Up, and if you guys, you know, I think working out it's really, uh, it's it plays a role, a vital role in your life. It makes me feel good. Those extra endorphins, especially when I'm stressed out and having one of those bad days, like 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 human nature throws at us. So it's good to go to the gym and just kind of work it out and and go from there. Yeah, so there you go. If you're looking for different things, you got buckedup.com and then zstacklife.com. So check those out. Those are uh, two of our sponsors. All right, so. The way things have gone uh, this quarter of the season, we had uh, Pat Verbeek actually gave an interview on DuckStream, which is a great uh, platform that the Ducks have come up with, with a lot of podcasts, a lot of information on there. If you haven't, check them out um, uh, and and all the uh, different shows that they have to offer on there. So he came on there and talked. We'll, we'll go over a little bit of what he said. He also talked to the media the day after. So we'll, we'll go over that right now, and then we'll go into our quarter report uh, about the ducks, kind of they kind of go together. But um, I thought it was interesting his his opening comments, Eddie. He talked about the season. He said, "When the season started, I thought we'd be at or near 500. It's kind of been disappointing." He also looked at the season, um, you know, breaking up the games. The first ten, he said that they quote didn't compete hard enough to win puck battles, and then in the last ten, they had been competing harder and had a chance to to win. Uh, he also talked about them being, you know, inconsistent, um, doing well in some things and not well in other things. Um, so, what did you think about his initial assessment? I mean, I I think when we talked about it, we thought the Ducks would maybe be in striking distance for the playoffs. Like we we talked about maybe they'd be like a ninth or tenth or whatever, and we didn't expect them to be as low as they are now. And if they were playing five hundred, they would be in striking distance. So, I mean, I think we're kind of in line with what he he had thought too before the season. Or did you think something differently? Well, but on that first show, I said that the Ducks weren't going to be as good as they were last season. I think last season was a fluke. 
And a lot of teams underestimated them, and the Ducks came out firing, but then reality kind of set in. I, uh, we saw our defensive core, which you mentioned too, uh, on one of our, our first shows that we recorded this season, that that was a concern for you, was the whole defensive thing, and it, and it is. Um, I, I do like Pat Rubik. He's real. Uh, he's he just he's straightforward. He's not BSing. Murray would always be like, "Oh, it's a process. Win now." Blah blah. blah. He, he wouldn't just. I guess I too much alcohol for him or whatever the hell he was going through. He he wouldn't like really be as transparent and stuff. But I think Verbeek is is okay with what's going on. Yeah, obviously he he's a competitor. He doesn't want to lose, but like it, it's a process. This whole rebuilding thing and building a a, a a winning franchise takes time. You just can't snap your fingers. Look at New Jersey. Like I, I keep referring to them way well, a few seasons ago. They they try to accelerate the rebuild process by signing big names and bringing players, but it just didn't work, and they went downhill. It finally took what? How many years later? Four or five seasons where they're actually uh, top in the league right now, and everything in their process is working out for them. So we have to just be patient. I know it's frustrating as Ducks fans. We want the team to win. We want them to strive and and, and win the Stanley Cup. We want to shut the hell out of the Kings up with their stupid two cup response, the only like number they can actually count up to. But it's just we have to just be patient. We have to let our players develop. Uh, we have to let Zegris develop into the franchise player he's going to be. Terry's becoming that superstar. If not, I think he already is a superstar the way he's been playing. But it's just one of those things where it's just we have to be patient. It's frustrating. It's going to suck. And you know what? Just we have to roll with it. We're Ducks fans. We love our team. We're passionate about our team. We're not one of those people that are just going to jump back. They're like, oh, well, let's see who's in first place. No. it's just This team's not going to be bad forever. And they're going to hit a stride where this rebuild process is going to be over. And they're going to be just dynamic. They're going to be dominant. And they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup every single season. Trust me. I've seen teams. I was in Colorado at their worst times. And I've seen how Colorado built their team into the dynasty they have right now. They're going to win a few more Stanley Cups the way that the, the superstars they have and the way they develop their team. And I can see this coming from the Ducks. Zegers is going to lead the way. Terry's going to lead the way. And we're going to have an amazing team. I do want to give a shout out to Alexis Downey, too, in the Ducks stream. She's been doing a hell of a job. She's really knowledgeable. She just she's so creative and, and so fun getting all these interviews that she has with, with, with everyone she's she's had. So she's doing a really good job. The Ducks, I think that was probably one of their best signings they have was bringing her on. And she's just really doing a good job on social media and on her podcast and really covering hockey really well. So she's putting her uh, her name out there and she's really making a really big stand on, on what she's been doing. So really big shout out to her. Yeah, I agree. I think she's done a fantastic job. And I think the Ducks have done a great job bringing her in and setting up this whole thing with the Duckstream. And, you know, the other thing that's big about this, too, is is what you touched on with Murray. He would have those once a year things, you know, uh, where he would come out and he would talk about the team, which was good. He started doing that, uh, but it was only once a year. And, th- and that was like that was the time you got him. You didn't really get a lot throughout the season. So what I like is, you know, Verbeek comes out here you know, a quarter of the season through and, and he goes on here and he talks. And if you listen to the podcast, we're still going to go over some more stuff here, but he's on there for, it's only 13, 14 minutes, but he goes on there and talks about different things as we're breaking them down. And then he talks to the, uh, Eric Stevens and some of the other media as well uh, on um, the, the following day. So there's some of that too mixed in here too. Some stuff from Eric Stevens article as well, but uh, he he's in line with what you were saying too, Eddie, is that, uh, he said, quote, there's multiple things going on. 
I'd look at a lot of new personnel that we've inserted into the lineup. It's time for guys to be able to trust one another. We're going through those growing pains as well, end quote. So he talked a lot about that. And, and you know, he didn't put the blame on all the young players either. He, he talked about the veterans haven't necessarily been playing well. And they've been, quote, making critical mistakes. Uh, and he was saying, you know, five on five, there's been mistakes on coverage that shouldn't be made now, um, that the team should be gelling and getting back together. His biggest thing, too, is consistency. where That's been an issue with the team. Uh, not being consistent, but he talks about trust and confidence are a big thing on the team, and, and you do see that at times. Like like we talked about, that play with Zegras in the Nashville game. He passes it back to the boards, and White's not there. White's going to the bench. So um, you know, I, I'm not gonna play the blame game, whatever. But but the thing is, is they're they're not like they're not they're not in sync, basically, right? He he's thinking he's there. White's thinking, well, I'm gonna go to the bench and, and get a fresh guy out there so he can carry the puck up. You know, they're, they're just not on the same page. And I, and I think that's just a microcosm for the way that the season has gone, whether it's offense or defense, more so defense. Obviously, we've talked about that, that, you know, they're just not gelling right. And I think he's given them some leeway. He also said, you know, quote, that there's going to be more runway um, for them um, going forward. So, I, I mean, I, I'm still with him. And I think another part of it, too, you talked about the fans. All the games I've been to, the fans, all of you have been awesome. You've been into it. And I think part of that's this openness from Verbeek. Like, we're not in the dark like we were with Murray. Uh, Verbeek's out there telling us what's going on. The Ducks are communicating a lot through the Duckstream uh, platform or website and, and all their different podcasts. So the, the communication is there from the organization and management. And, it, yeah, he, he preaches uh, patience, and, and I'm with him. I, I, I'm still... I'm still excited. I think a lot of us, we know that this season's a rebuild. We know the season's going to be tough. We're still excited to go see Zegers play. We're excited to see Terry play and see, you know, the things that they're going to do on the ice and, and what's going to happen. And McTavish, he's obviously done well too, um, getting in there. So I, I think we know that wins and losses, okay, yeah, we'd like to win games, but we know it is what it is this season. But I, I think if we can make some more tweaks and we'll talk about some possible trades coming up here that, as you talked about, the Ducks will be good for seasons to come. Exactly. It's just we have to be patient. It's a process. It just, you can't just all like snap your finger and have a Stanley Cup contending team. It doesn't work. You can look at Tampa, what they have done. I mentioned Colorado. That's my second favorite team, so I'll keep referring back to them because I was there during the whole process. I was like live, the practices I'd go to and stuff like that. You can't just build a team out of scratch. No, it's it's a process. I know you're frustrated, the coaching staff. I, I, I get frustrated too. I just had to stop and think like, hey, it's, it's not going to last forever. Look at those freaking banners up there, all those like Pacific Division banners. Look at that Stanley Cup banner first in California. We always were, we're always going to have that. It, it's going to get better. This team's going to win the Stanley Cup. I can, I can just envision Zegris with his nice flow calling the Stanley Cup dude, thank you dude, to the Stanley Cup. It's, it's, it's going to be it's fun. We had to just suck it up, keep being loyal and good fans. But hey, you're right, Mike, the fans have been amazing. Especially that Seattle game, the fans were so loud and so passionate. It's cool. The game we went to, I'm hugging random people. It's just like hockey's back. I love it. It's just that's. I'm so grateful and thankful to be a fan of this sport, to be on this podcast, even though I said that last show before Thanksgiving, but just to reiterate that again, it's just so great to be part of it. It's just, it's awesome, and this team's gonna it's gonna bounce back. It's not gonna last forever, so we have to just look to the future. And then, uh, speaking of future, Mike, we have some uh, important games coming up 
in a few weeks to LA Kings. So I think that's. I don't care if the Ducks. Oh, you know, you know what? It's funny. I told my uh, my godson. If the Ducks keep losing, it's fine. I, I want a high draft pick. I want the number one overall, the first in franchise history. But I do want them to beat the Kings, and I want them to, uh, to beat teams that I show up to. So that's a little selfish thing I have. But heh. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you still want them to beat the rivalry teams, L.A., San Jose, you know, things Minnesota, because like, yeah. I hate Minnesota. I was just going to say Minnesota, because you hate you, Minnesota. You know what? And I, I, apparently, the last game they played, there was a lot of nastiness in that game, too. So hopefully, uh, when they play them on Saturday, it'll, it's a little early game. It'll be 12, or, no, 11, our time. So hopefully, it's more nastiness uh, come that time. Uh, Dallas, we have tomorrow, too. Dallas. Speaking of Dallas, uh, Rob Hintz signed that, what, big 18 or eight year deal. Like, whew. He's so underrated. He's been like just producing at a level, and Dallas has just been firing up. It's it's crazy. Uh, that uh, that Robertson guy, I believe. Yeah, Robertson. I have him on fantasy. He he's just been just nuts, going bananas. Uh, Dallas was. Uh, you know what's funny about him too, Jason Robertson. He's from Arcadia, California. So I used to work in Arcadia. So it's a little thing, a little history thing. But he held out in training camp, and he didn't play at all, uh, holding out for a deal. He finally got his deal. He comes back, and he has 36 points in 23 games. He's almost a 20-goal scorer again. Last season, he just went bananas. He's going bananas again. Hopefully, Ducks can shut them down and shut Dallas's little heat streak going. And I really think the Ducks uh, on uh, tomorrow will take Dallas. I, I think Dallas will underestimate the Ducks a little bit, and the Ducks might take the edge on them and win. But I really hope they went against uh, Minnesota on Saturday, though. And I want to see a little few more fights because F Minnesota. But they have Revo now. So it's going to be kind of tough uh, winning some of those battles. Yeah, the scheduling is kind of weird. They're going to play Dallas, like you said. And then uh, on this road trip, they played Minnesota on Saturday at 11. And then Winnipeg on Sunday at 12. So kind of a weird, weird, I don't know what's going on on the schedule. But they've got these two super early games back-to-back on the weekend. So... Uh, on, on the road too so I mean a little tough bit of scheduling here coming up uh, after this Dallas game but yeah uh, I'm, I'm with you I, I want to see um, you know if they can upset Dallas and, and Dallas has been uh, doing alright and then uh, of course like you said we're talking about Minnesota and here they are they're on the schedule so some good games coming up here uh, some of the other things too that the Ducks are going to need to do in order to start winning some games that Verbeek talked about were the uh, special teams he said that the special teams haven't been good. The, the biggest issue is giving up goals in the power play, trying to o- overcome that. He said that uh, execution has been a big problem. He talked about having new players in new spots. And, and again, that whole thing about trust. I, I think they got better on the power play. Like I said, a little bit of adjustments there. Having Zegers more on the side, uh, letting Fowler do the point shot. So that, that worked in that Seattle game. We'll have to see how it does in these three games coming up. And uh, I, I think another thing that we're blessed with uh, Verbeek is the way he looks at this team. You know, he, he's got a, a scouting perspective, a coaching perspective, and a player's perspective. And he kind of puts that all together. And he was saying that, um, you know, he looks at the systems. And are there issues with the systems or is it executing the systems? And, and it's more of the execution. He talks about how they're just, they're not consistent. He likes to see more one-touch passes on the power play. Uh, and, and, you know, guys being in the right spot. 
Um, also on the penalty kill, uh, if you have a chance to pressure when a guy's you know turning away from you or, or it's got his back towards the wall or whatever, he talks about, hey, it should be automatic. You got to you know pr- you know pass down lower, carry the puck in, whatnot. So I think that's one really good aspect of him, Eddie, is that. He has these different hats that he can wear. And I mean, a lot of GMs have that. But with him, he, he talks about that scouting role that he's had in the past. And, and he's doing that now, right? He's going out and looking at other teams, which we'll talk about that later in the show. But he's looking at this as being a player, being a coach, being a GM, all these different aspects. And, and I think it's important that he sees what's going on. And it's not the systems. It, it's trying to get the, the people on the same page uh, working together as a team. And, and obviously, defensively and special teams-wise, that hasn't happened. Yeah, I, I I have a good feeling about him. I think he's he's he, I, I'm confident he's gonna lead us to a Stanley Cup and then in, in, in the future, uh, just the way uh, his competitive nature is, where he came from, uh, uh, just how he can take those pieces from a, everywhere he's been, from the roles he's been on different teams as a player. He, he knows what it takes to win and to compete. He knows what it what the whole recipe is. If you want to make a masterpiece, if you want to cook something really well, you want to make a, the best steak you ever had, it takes some time. It takes a lot of recipes. So you just have to just roll with it and go with it. And as fans, we have to be patient. Me, I'm the most impatient person in the world. Like I'm like freaking out if I have to wait more than a minute for anything. But, I mean, as a Ducks fan, I'm, I have to just suck it up and be patient. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's going to get better. So all we do is just move on and and move forward right yeah exactly and, and then one last thing that i'll cover uh he, he does cover a lot of the like young players and whatnot i'm not gonna talk about that you can go listen to it on duck stream because uh, he goes into all that and how the future is bright and you know the guys coming up but one last thing that he did mention that i want to cover because everybody asked questions of this we had brian xbox on instagram asked you know is there going to be a coaching change in the future after the season another person on instagram asking about the you know, firing the coaches and whatnot we get a lot of those questions i think almost every show we get them so they asked him about that, or, or Alexis asked him about that, and he said that uh, he, it sounds like he's going to stick to it. He, he's going to, you know, evaluate the team uh, at the end of the season. Um, you know, 20 games, he says, hasn't been enough, and he's given the coaches and, and the players uh, time to figure some stuff out. So whether you like it or not, uh, I don't think um, Dallas Hakins is going anywhere, and I, I know a lot of you are upset about that, and you think he should be gone. Uh, I have mixed feelings. I've said it before. Uh, you know, if you're going to take him out and put in an assistant coach, that's not really going to change anything. Um, you have to have some kind of plan. So, you know, he's going to let him figure it out. Uh, like I said, outside the team, losing a bazillion games in a row, I think he's going to stay. And he's got to figure out who who's going to be the coach. If it's not Dallas Aikens long term, uh, maybe he gets somebody there in the off season and, and change up the coaching staff and whatnot. Um, so I get with what he's doing. I, I don't think just yanking Dallas Aikens and, and, and not having a plan is, is really the answer. But but that's my take. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it may not happen during the season. It's a long season. Stuff can change. But as for now, he's going to stick with Dallas Aikens, Eddie. Yeah, and you know what? As frustrating as, as frustrating this might sound, I, I agree with that. I think it's the right move. I mean, I, I get frustrated too, and I'll make comments here on there on Twitter. But I think removing him as head coach right now would be a bad move for the Ducks. What's the point? Aikens has proved that he's a player's coach and he can help develop these players and to be superstars. Look at Zegris. Uh, look at Terry. Look at all our youngsters that, that came up from the AHL when he was coaching and mentoring them. I, I think he uh, having him would, would pay dividends for these young players. He's 
he has that that edge or he has that certain spark and rapport with our young players and help them develop and i think it's important he's a big health nut he's all about fitness too so he's going to keep these players you know up to beat on that um i spoke to a fan too that doesn't think that uh she has some kind of connection with him i'm not going to throw the name or anything like that but she doesn't think that, that he's going to uh, leave Anaheim anytime soon because uh, for X, Y, Z reasons. And I mentioned, too, if the Ducks did decide to move on from uh, him as head coach next season, would it be a possibility and would you want him to kind of remain with the club as a player development coach or some kind of role with the coach because he seems to have these rapport with the younger players? I mean, obviously, he's not going to digress and go back to the San Diego and take on the, the head coaching job from there. But I, I think I can see him if, if he would take that role of, uh, of being an asset to the Ducks with a player development role for our young players because he seems to have that rapport with all of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting point, Eddie. I, I, I think you're right as far as the development. I think he's done a great job and he did a great you know job when he was in San Diego. Uh, I think the issue more so is what we've talked about with the lineup during the season and trying to get the best out of the lineup, which is where we're going to head next. We're going to talk about the quarter season review uh, of the Ducks and kind of analyze the offensive defense and, and some stats and, and give our, our, our opinions that way. But I'm with you. Maybe maybe that's what they do. Maybe they put him more in that player development type role uh, if they do take him out of the, the coaching job next season. So Yeah, but, go but ahead. like what's the point of making a coaching change? Like, do you want to get a few more wins? Do you want to move up in the standings to be just what, to get a 10th overall pick, a 15th overall pick? No, you don't want that right now. It's like I said, it sucks. It's, 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 it's terrible, but we have Connor Bedard is going to be a generational player, which he's projected to be. We have a really a good draft coming up. Do you really want to just sacrifice that and bring in a coach, changing the system, bringing, I, I, I don't know. It's just, we have to be patient. I see a lot of fans still uh, are hoping for a big surge and a playoff run. It's not going to happen, guys. It, it, it's really not. It, so if, if you're one of those fans that are thinking you're going to go put like $100 to make that $30,000 to one odd, no. It, it's not, and it shouldn't happen at all. The Ducks here just keep doing what they're doing. I don't want to see them bringing uh, a big-name guy that's going to help the team. And, and we'll talk about that more when we go into our trade rumor segment of this show. But a coaching change is not going to help the Ducks do anything but, but get them a, a, maybe a couple more wins. or It's going to digress these players more to have to adapt to a new system because a new coach means a new coaching system. It's, just, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Let's just let's ride with what we have. And like like Rick said, let's reevaluate everything come next season, and then he'll make determinations on what he wants to do. And maybe Aikens has a different plan, or maybe you know what? I know a lot of teams won't admit this, but maybe sometimes tanking is the best thing to do for a team that that want to just accelerate this whole rebuild process. I know no teams will admit to intentionally tanking. I don't think the players do it, but you know what? Look at Edmonton getting that first overall pick all the time, and. And I really believe that their team and their management was all in for a tank. Yeah, that was one thing Verbeek said. He, he hates that word. He hates the whole tanking notion. So, I don't know. That's that's what he talked about because he's super competitive. But, yeah, as far as the coaching thing, I'm with you. I, I'm talking about at the end of the season, maybe they put him in a, a development-type role if they don't keep him as coach or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know if they would do that. I, it's really curious to see what's going to happen. But, 
regardless, I'm with you trying to do some kind of change now. There's already all this other stuff going on. I, I just don't, I don't think that that's the answer right now. We've got too much other crap that we got to try to fix, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Is the uh, the way the season's gone and in this 20 plus games that we're going to break down the uh, the quarter season report as we talk about the Ducks, the offense, the defense, the special teams, and what's going on with this team. Uh, I, I, you know, you, we can talk about the coaching all you want, and yes, I don't think the optimal lineups out there all the time, and we're going to go into that right now. But the way the Ducks have done so far this season, uh, if you look at their puck possession numbers, their coursing Fenwick numbers, they're below fifty percent. They're in the mid forties, which is, is is not good. They've uh, scored thirty nine goals. They've given up sixty. Uh, so putting their their goals uh, four percentage around thirty nine percent. Simple math there, but they uh, you know underperforming. Um, so I, I guess the first part of this is we, we talk about offense and kind of looking at the team. We can kind of evaluate some of the lines. We, we can see that the Ducks' best line has been Henrique, uh, Zegers, and Terry. They're your top scorers on the team. They've also got, uh, the best, uh, you know, uh, analytics numbers too. They're, they're over, uh, 55% for their goals for expected and, uh, 53% for Corsi four. So they're, they're doing good. They're up there in the fifties. They're doing great. We had that new line of McTavish, Jones, and Leeson. They've been doing it well. Also similar uh, analytical numbers. And then you've probably, their next best one has been Comtois, who is, of course, now out, Lindstrom, and Silverberg, who have been just over 50% in their numbers. So those are kind of your best performing lines, uh, you know, going by you know puck analytics and, and also by the, their points, too, that they've scored. But uh, I, I think there's more tinkering that needs to be done um as far with this team um i think they need to try to figure some stuff out we talked about terry and zegers and putting them together they did that now henrique's in there and they've been doing well um you know lundstrom and silverberg uh with carrick has not been so great obviously come to us out so there's something there you got to figure out grant's obviously not been doing as well this year we've talked about him um, Eddie mentioned earlier in the show about benching Silverberg and scratching him. I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I, I think he's had some rough games, especially this game against uh, Nashville. He didn't play that well. Um, you know, maybe he needs a break here and there. But I would like to see uh, Pavel Regenda up more and playing more. I think he, he's done well. His numbers look good uh, with the team. So I'd like to see him up there in the lineup. But I, I think they need to mix some stuff up. Uh, it seems like Stroma and Vitrano have not played well defensively. Um, and, and maybe you got to separate those guys in the lineup, you know, and, and do some changes. And I think that's that's what you should do. And that's what uh, Dallas should do is, is try to do some more experimenting with some of these lines and try and change some stuff up. You know, you, you figured out you got one line. We know Henry uh, Zegers and Terry can score, and the rest are all kind of jumbled up. I, I mean, I like McTavish being at center. Um, you could keep him with Jones and Leeson. We, we had a question about that from T Dizzle nine. You know, do we think that that's the best fourth line we've had in a while? I, I think it has been a good fourth line. I don't know if that's the line we should roll with. I'd like to see McTavish, uh, you know, in a top nine, uh, role, but, uh, if you're going to put him at center between those two, they, they've done well, analytically speaking, um, you know, for the short time they've been together. But, um, I think that's the thing, Eddie, with this team is trying to figure out, uh, you know, who your second and third lines are. Uh, Vetrano and Strom together haven't always been great, so maybe you, you split up the, the New York guys and, and, and put them on a couple other lines and, and try and go from there. Yeah, um, yeah, McTavish on the fourth line, that's just like representing the wrong way. It's just like mismanagement of a really, really special player that you have. Send him down or something. Like, have him get more games. I think he's eligible for the AHL. I'm, I'm correct. Like, send him down to the A. 
He could be a top line over there, top line center, uh, get all those crunching all those minutes. But putting him on the fourth line and diminishing his line minutes is not going to help. It's like a mismatch with what Seattle's doing with uh, with Wright, with Shane Wright. They uh, what they they kept him up, didn't send him down. Obviously, he's he's he he can't play in junior. Well, he could play in junior if they send him down, but he really proved that he's way better than that. They had they, you know what's funny with Seattle too? They found a loophole where if, uh, a player, a uh, rookie player, is scratch x amount of games, they can re- send him down to uh, to the AHL. I guess for a conditioning thing or whatever. So they they found a loophole in that. So he's been playing really well in the AHL, but. It's like if you're not going to play a player like you have that's going to be a, a potential a top six player and top star in your team, then send him somewhere where he's going to get all those minutes and develop properly because putting him on the fourth line is actually bullshit. You shouldn't be doing that at all. Like, I think I exceeded my, my, my S words for the show, so that's my last one I'll use. I think I have one F word I can use, so I'll use, say that for later. But <laughs> but no, like a player like him, he, he, he works hard. He's so special. and, and Like I said, it, that... that that game when he scored, he's he's third amongst rookies, and if he just gets that fire and gets more playing time, I think his numbers are, will will up the, the game. He's just he he's waiting to break out, and and seeing him just on the fourth line is not working out. Um, a lot of changes have to be made with this team. It's just frustrating. Uh, Strom, I, I I knew that he was going to have some some kind of issues coming into the season. Like people thought he was going to just all of a sudden fill that role and and and. and kind of like score at the point pace that he was but he's not playing with a guy like Panarin Panarin's a freaking super established superstar and can put points up on the board pass the puck to Panarin and he'll just score a goal so we have to take that into consideration that he's just coming from New York where he spent a few seasons over there playing with like one of the top players in the league and now he's with the rebuilding team thing is that Strome wanted to be here he's happy to be here so it's going to take time for him to kind of get into that groove and find his game with players that aren't Panarin so we have to we have to just kind of be patient with that but yeah you're right I think uh they should split him up but Toronto loves to shoot bring him with a player loves to pass like just like I said it's going to take time Mike it's not going to be easy people are going to be frustrated I'm frustrated at times I tweet things out, but then I just stop and think like, okay, well, it's a process. As a fan, I'm like, all right, just I'm pissed off, but then it's talking on ducks and pucks and then analyzing these games. I got to just kind of like, okay, remember the process and breathe. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> remember the process and breathe. I, I like that. That that's a good one, Eddie. That, that's a we should use that phrase and post that on social media. It's a process. Hey, a t-shirt. Yeah, uh, a t-shirt. There you go. Make a t-shirt. Hey, you haven't made a t-shirt in a while. I think a, a new t-shirt design for this season. We had Deloria love the one that you made. Uh, Free Z, he loved that one. Oh yeah, he he so. did. He liked that shirt. He was cracking up when I gave him that shirt. He really loved so, that one. But you yeah, have to figure I, I, out what shirt to make. Yeah, okay, yeah, relax and breathe, you know. Uh, it's going to take time. <laughs> yeah. $18 beer. Yeah, 18. Ducks font. That'd be sick. I, I, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, there you go. Uh I don't know if the Ducks would like that, but I know some of the fans would. <laughs> but yeah, with the team, I I mean, I I think the good news is on offense, they they've got the top line. That's not an issue. So now it's trying to figure out that second and third line. And for me, I, I think you put Vetrano and Strom on each of those lines and you try and figure out what you're going to do. But, you know, I, I like Regenda, Matavish, and Vetrano on the line. Maybe that would work out well. And then, then Strom, you put with a Jones and uh, Leeson or maybe Comtois when he gets back, something like that. that that's kind of what I look at. The fourth line, 
the fourth line is what it is with this team. I, I'm not really worried about that. It just it is what it's going to be. So I, I think that's the key is trying to figure out those those two middle lines um, for the Ducks and, and then go from there. And then, you know, we'll work on the systems. I, I think the other part of this, so we talk about the defense. I don't know what they're doing on defense. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like confused, Eddie. Like, I, I think some games they play man, and then other games I, I, I think they try to play zone. But it's like, it's just a pile of crap. Like, I, I hate to say that, but I mean, defensively, I don't know. It's, it's just a mess. I, I can't really figure out what they're doing. It, it seems like they go back and forth. I, I think with them... I don't know if man always really works out. It seems like that they they lose a guy and someone gets open. They score. We saw that in some of these games, um, you know, where guys are left alone, especially in Seattle. A couple of those goals, they weren't on Gibson. They they left guys alone. They could have scored. Um, so maybe going to zone more instead of uh, man would be better on defense. Uh, that that's one thing that I've kind of looked at. And then the pairings, looking at some of their analytical numbers, they're they're rough, man. I mean, uh, what's unfortunate is some of their best pairings, which have been um, with Drysdale and Kulikov. Well, Drysdale's out. We know he's gone for most of the season, so you're kind of stuck with that. Uh, Klingberg has just not done well, uh, which Verbeek talked about that in his uh, on the podcast and 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 whatnot to the media. Uh, it looked like Klingberg's best pairing has been with Benoit. They've done okay. They, they've been right around, you know, 49, 51% puck possession numbers. So that's kind of been a good pairing for them, maybe to keep them together. Um, and then Fowler and Kulikov have been decent. They've been in the high 40s, you know, around 48%, just, just under that 50%. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at the team. Like, when, I mean, but Klingberg's out too. So uh, if he comes back, Maybe you have him with Benoit and Fowler with uh, Kulikov, and they work it out. And now we've got Vakanainen uh, back. Thank God. Uh, I, I think that that helped as well because you know you saw what happened in the Nashville game. They they um, a fast paced game, but they weren't leaving as many people wide open like they were in the Seattle game. And that's that's what I like about Vakanainen. That was one question we had from uh, uh, Claring Bull on Instagram. Asked you know with Vakanainen back, what do you want to see from him? And that's what I want to see from him is his his skating ability is awesome. And they talked about this on the broadcast is him being a shutdown type guy. And that's what Eddie, you and I talked about um, with him out. The Ducks haven't had that um, on the team. And then obviously Drysdale has been a good two way, maybe not necessarily um, a stand, stay at home defenseman, more two way, but he, he's been able to, you know, have decent numbers as well. So they didn't have both those guys. Now he at least got uh, Baca Nainen back. So I think that's huge. I, th- I think the problem is you got to figure out who else is in your um, top six because Shattenkirk has not played well. Uh, I do like White and Strand in there. Of course, they sent Strand back down to San Diego, so so much for that. But um, that's kind of the the pairings the way I look at Fowler, Kulikov, uh, Benoit, and Klingberg when Klingberg comes back. But I mean, he's been he hasn't been great. But uh, Benoit's at least worked out with him, and they they've been okay. You know, they haven't been they haven't been terrible. So. Um, that's what I'm looking at. I, I think they they got to try and figure it out. You look at the the analytical numbers. That's kind of where they they follow with those four guys. Um, you know, none of the pairings have been great, right? Most most of their numbers are all below fifty percent. You know, they're not they're not getting. There's none of them with their their goals four percentage over fifty, which is not not good. You want to have somebody that that's controlling the puck and also uh, you know more chances to score when they're out there, but they're not. They, the numbers haven't looked great, so. That's kind of how I look at it. I, I'm glad that Bakanayan's back, but uh, uh, that should help. But I think Klingberg and uh, Shattenkirk have been the biggest problems for the Ducks on the blue line this season. 
Oh yeah, they've just been non-existent. Like, 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 how many fans actually knew that Klingberg wasn't even playing the games? Like, and he's not even traveling with the team. He he's been really just I don't know. And, and no disrespect to Shattenkirk or Klingberg, it's sometimes systems don't work for these guys. They're both offensive type defensemen, and a trade to different teams, and 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 their value hasn't really decreased because they can go on a different team and just explode. We've seen it numerous times where a player just. Um, for example, look at uh, Valier Nishkinen from Colorado. Uh, he was in Dallas, supposed to be a you know a, a, he was a ninth overall pick, supposed to be a, a good player. He just had, had his little bumps and, and grinds in Dallas, got some injuries. He didn't really come to to you know to his like potential. He goes to Colorado, he gets a big ass deal, wins the Stanley Cup, and he's a, a top player. Unfortunately, he's injured for the season. Or he's not for the season. He's coming back soon. But it just it takes a different system, a different uh, line mates, just to, to get that spark. Any athlete that's played any sports, you know, it's just it's sometimes a system doesn't work for you, teammates don't work for you. So um, uh, I think Klingberg and Shattenkirk have a lot to offer to a team, and they're going to be commodities come the trade deadline, if not before that. Uh, Fowler has been going nuts too. Like he just since the last show or the last couple shows we talked about him like kind of like downgrading him he just been popping up points here and there goal assist assist he's been playing a lot better he's been our best defenseman and he's kind of living up to that top role i always saw Fowler as a, a, a top 4 defenseman but he the way he's been playing as of late he's been playing as a top defenseman so it's really good to see him uh, kind of coming out the show and rising up and leading by example so i like seeing that but it's just our defensive core is having issues, and it just seems like Klingberg and Shattenkirk aren't working out our defensive core. Um, so something has to give. Um, I think uh, the best thing to do is, I mean, yeah, I know we want to see a trade. We want to see a change now, but if we hold these guys to the trade deadline, teams will overpay for them. You will get, I want to say, twice the amount that you would get at the trade deadline than you would right now for Klingberg or Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk's last year deal, his deal is not that bad. I believe it was 3.8 last time we talked about him. I mean, obviously Klingberg, we have to eat up some uh, some cap for him, but the Ducks have the cap room to eat up the cap space and, and to help out teams that, that can't afford these players like fully on. So I think that's the best bet we have for the Ducks. Like We're going to get assets for these guys. Um, I'll be surprised if I see uh, Shattenkirk uh, moving past... Um, the trade deadline and definitely Klingberg. He's he's not. It's obviously not working out for him. So I, I did I read one one report too that Ducks were thinking about maybe keeping him in a little bit. That's why I mentioned in my article too. But it's just the system's not working out for him. The players that he's playing with uh, is not working out for him. Uh, Mike, I think we both agree that we're looking for Drysdale to come back real soon because he was just uh, he was playing really well when he was uh, with the Ducks. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he went out. I mean, there's still a chance he could come back at the end of the season, but I mean, with the way the season's going, you know, who knows, um, you know, how it's going to pan out. But, but yeah, I agree with you. Don't don't rush him. Um, you know, especially when we see in three four months where we're at. Um, I'm with you on that. You know, a couple fan questions about the defense too. We had Jonathan Schultz. He asked about you know, do you think signing Klingberg was a mistake? Obviously, good trade bait, but I don't think he's worth what we paid for him. Well, I don't think it was a mistake, and there's a couple reasons why. One is we had to get to the cap floor. Um, that's why the Ducks brought him in. The other part of it is, and we talked about this at the time of the signing, is that it gave the Ducks options. So with him, the Ducks can either 
you know, if he played well, which we hoped he he would, but he's not. But there was that possibility, and then you gave him a bigger contract, and you had Klingberg stay with the team long term and, and be a guy that did fit into the system and be, be a guy that would be, uh, you know, uh, maybe a mainstay for the team. But if that didn't work, which looks like that's what's going on now, he's still going to be able to trade him. Um, I think the biggest thing is you got to get him healthy again, get him back out there on the ice and playing more. Same thing with Shattenkirk. Keep, keep them both out there. Yeah, I know they haven't been great, but maybe they turn some things around and and, and whatnot. But you can't uh, you know scratch these guys. Uh, obviously Klingberg being hurt, that's one thing. But if you can get him back, uh, I'm fine with that. So I don't I don't think signing him was a mistake at all. Um, and, and we had another question too from Clarence Bull that asked about you know if they're all healthy, who's who's the odd man out on defense? He, he says Colton White. Um, yeah, maybe Colton White is the one that that's out. I, like I said, I would like to see Strand up in there, but they sent him back down. I think Colton White's been okay. I don't think he's been terrible, but um, if there's an odd man out, um, yeah, I, I mean he's kind of the one that's hanging on right there for now. It, it, like we said, he would be the seventh one as of what it looks like right now. So that's kind of my takes on some of those. Uh, I don't know what you what you thought about you know Klingberg coming in and, and who you think the odd man out is, Eddie. Well, Klingberg has been with Dallas since 2014-15 season until this season. He's with the Anaheim Ducks. This is like Dallas was the only team and only place he's actually like learned to play with those players. That thing that can take effect and have some kind of ripple effect on a player's mind. Like you, you kind of left your your only place that you called quote unquote home. And the only team you played for. So, I mean, he has to get used to that. Yeah, I know he's not, you know, he's he's not a rookie in the league. He's 30 years old. But still, it's like you left your team. Uh, obviously, you couldn't get a, an extension over there with them. And now you're in a brand new system, brand new team, brand new environment. That all plays a factor in these players' minds, if you don't think so or not. It, it plays uh, the, the whole fact of chemistry and everything. So it's just... It's hard to really sit there and say that, oh, he sucks. He's he's not playing well. But you have to see and look outside the box at the factors that might be kind of going through his mind, the psychological. Like hockey is a psychological sport. Like you see goalies doing the same thing. Players have superstitions. Like Crosby, his his superstitions that he has, and he's going to be one of the best players in the world to ever retire when he does. But, yeah, we have to stop and think. He's only played uh, 20 games with Anaheim Ducks. And that's the only 20 games in his career that he played with a different team. So we can't hold that against him. He it, It's an adjustment period for him. He has to learn uh, how to play with another team without his teammates. Uh, it's just a whole different thing. He's He looks down and sees a, a Ducks jersey on and not a Dallas Stars jersey. So that can play a role in how he's not fitting in with the system. It takes some time. I can't count him out. I think he's a really skilled defenseman and he can put up a, a lot of numbers. It just it, obviously it didn't work out, and the, like we all have been there. If you played sports, or you know what, it, it, like, like even in life, you guys date a man or a woman. You guys are dating someone, doesn't always work out. So it's just, I think it's the same thing with with Klingberg. I, I think at the deadline, he's still going to fetch a really healthy return and a good return for the Ducks. And I really, regardless of what you guys think about, I really hope that he finds himself and his groove, and he has success wherever he goes because. I think he still has a lot of hockey to give. He's a good player. He's only 30 years old, and he's been proven to put up offensive numbers and to really help a team out in the power play. It's just obviously in this, it's just, it's new to him. It's a whole big adjustment, a whole life changing experience for him. We have to really uh, stop and think that these hockey players aren't supermen, they're human too. So we have to get that like factors into it. We can't really hold that against him.
Yeah, one last thing about that too is uh, Verbeek mentioned, you know, talking to him recently, and he and he thinks that he can get back to where he was at, and he's still confident. Um, and maybe that's part of his being in a different system, like you talked about. He's been on the other team for a long time, but he still believes in himself and feels like you know he can he can get where he needs to be. So I thought that was interesting. And, and also another update too is Klingberg's not with the team on the road trip. Um, so we don't know when exactly he's going to come back. They, they're hoping maybe he could play at the end of this road trip, but just so you know, he's still out for a little while. So that's kind of what's going on uh, defensively. I guess the last part would be the goalies, uh, which Verbeek did talk about this too. And uh, he talked about Gibson saying that, you know, he can't ask for any more out of him. You know, he's given the team a chance to win every night. And, and, and that's what he's looking for. And you look at their numbers, uh, obviously Gibson playing more games than Stolars, but they're very close numbers. Um, the save percentages are, are both right around 8-9-0, and then goals against 3-9-9 for Gibson and 3-7-5 for Stolar. So, so very close numbers. Um, and I know a lot of people, I, I get this too, they're just like trade Gibson, trade Gibson has been the big thing, just like fire the coach. But again, what's your plan then? Uh, I mean, you know, it's easy to sit there and say, hey, trade him. But like, what are you going to do? Like, who are we going to get? Are we going to get another goalie for him? Uh, Stolar is going to be the guy. I mean, like, what's what's the plan? You know, I mean, that that's my concern. It's like, what, what are you what are you going to do? You know, and that, and one, we had one guy ask us, uh, uh, Boaz. He asked, um, you know, do you think they'll make the mistake of keeping Gibson and trading Stolars? I don't know if that's a mistake. I mean, it depends on what what where what direction are we going in the net, and. Yes, has Gibson been great this season? No, he has not been great. He, he's had some issues here and there. And then he's had other moments of flashes of greatness. So um, I, I don't think that that's a mistake to keep him. I think the thing is, is you have to figure out the plan. And what is the plan? I, I don't know. I'm not in Verbeek's head. I, I don't know what he's going to do. But just saying, oh, he's not playing great, trade him. Well, the defense has had some serious issues. And I'm not trying to use that as a scapegoat, but the defense has had some problems. And the Ducks have been horrible on the penalty kill. They're at 66.3%, the bottom of the league. That's not helped out, too. They're giving up a lot of goals uh, and taking too many penalties. They've been undisciplined, too. So those are some other things that need to be fixed. So to me, you know, and we'll get into trades here in just a second. That's our next section. But in terms of the goalie thing, I think we've talked about this, Eddie. I would just leave it as it is. I would just, you know, try to get Stolarz in there a few more games because I talked about it on the last show about Gibson getting injured, and he damn well got nearly injured uh, in that game against Seattle. And I sat there going, man, I shouldn't have said something on the show, man. I freaking jinxed it. And uh, I was irritated with myself. But but that's the reality. I, I just don't want them to overplay him at this point, Eddie. And they have been overplaying him. They've been playing him a lot. Like it's just it's not. I mean, I get it. You're a goalie. You want to play as many games as you can, but you have Stolars. And you know what? The whole thing about showcasing too. Like I want to see Klingberg and Shattenkirk get the most minutes possible out of the Ducks. Yeah, I know Fowler's playing. He's the best Ducks defenseman they have right now. But I want to showcase. I want to show other teams when they had their scouts watching, have their scouts attending games, to. Get a freaking Woody to see these. I'm, I am no offense, but get a Woody to see these players play and, and maybe overpay. And we get the maximum return for each of these players that we're going to trade, especially Klingberg is, is a rental. He was signed on for rental. And you know what? I forgot to mention that. That might be a little hard, too, because when Ducks first signed him, the whole reports were going out, oh, they signed him to a rental, rental, rental. There was only one report that came out saying that the Ducks might want to extend him. But the rest of the reports are saying he's a rental. So that can play little mind games here, too, like to someone, too. 
So it's like, with Gibson too, Mike, and I, we had a lot of fan questions, you got to figure out what you want and talk to Gibson and see what he wants too. We have a rebuild. We have a goalie and Dostal that that can that seems like he's going to be a, a really great goalie in the future. Stolarz is not going to be our starter goalie for the future. I'm sorry to say that he's not. Uh, maybe for another team, I, I I can't see that. He he's been playing well. He hasn't got enough games to actually to make that that determination if he can be a legitimate starter and superstar goalie in the NHL. But or yeah, but Gibson's in a whole other level. If we trade Gibson, we're going to get a freaking huge return for him. Uh, maybe not as much as we would have gotten if we traded him a season ago or two seasons ago. But it's just Gibson is not the problem. The problem is a lot more. And like I said before, just patience, patience, patience. But we have to just, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think, like I said, I, I just I put Stolars in there for some more starts. Uh, that way Gibson doesn't get broken. Um, you know, we've seen stuff like that happen. That that's I think what you gotta do with that. And, and unless you have a plan. You know, if you're trying to go out and trade for another goalie or or Dostal's gonna come up or, or whatever you're gonna do, how are you gonna figure that out? So Yeah, but who's out there and, and goal that you can trade to replace Gibson that you want for the future? There there's not really options out there that teams are gonna do that for. Like it's just why would they trade their I think well, a Kerry Smith from uh, New Jersey's been playing lights out too. Like he's like his last like rookie goalie, four starts, four wins. He's he seems like the real deal. But it's just like why are you gonna do that right now and, and make that kind of big move? And it just doesn't make sense. I, I think you should like he said give Stolarz more starts, take the pressure off Gibson, and showcase him. The whole point right right now is like we all know we're sellers, so showcase as mu- many players as you can. And go from there. No, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, who would you trade for? Exactly. That's what, that's my point. That's why, like, what, what's your plan? I mean, is, is there someone you're really going to trade Gibson for another goalie and get? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's what it would seem to be. Unless you were going to say, hey, no, Dostal's the dude. He's going to come up. Uh, or, or him and Stolarz are going to split or whatever they're going to do. So I, I, I just leave it. I, I wouldn't mess with the goalie thing. Uh, that, that That's just, just leave it. Um, oh, oh, oh. I would trade Stolarz and get assets for him because I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Ducks next season, especially the limited play he's getting this season. I think he has some value as a backup goalie, especially for a contending team that wants that kind of depth in goalie. Just just leave Gibson where he's at and let him... uh, It seems like he's happy with the Ducks regardless of of how bad they're doing and how many shots he's getting uh, per game. But I, I think he's probably the goalie of the future. You have him signed up, locked up. Let's see what we have in Dostal, and if Dostal outplays him, then we can go that route and go from there. But like you said, just just leave it alone. And Stolarz is probably one of those players that's going to be gone to the deadline. I'd be surprised if he's still here after the deadline. Yeah, I'm with you. I remember we talked about that on the last show too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're just going to keep riding Gibson and only play him a little bit, then you know that's something to to consider, especially uh, come the trade deadline. One last little question that I just want to add, we'll talk about because it's just kind of an interesting one uh, about the team here, and then we'll move on to the trades. But we had T Aromo ten fifteen uh, on Instagram. He asked about Terry Zegers, and he said, "Is he too immature playing in the NHL, and should he be in the AHL?" I thought it was an interesting question uh, because you don't really hear this from Ducks fans too much. I mean, at least from what I've seen, but you do hear this from some other people I've seen on social media saying. You know, talking smack on Zegris and his personality. But what do you think about this, Eddie? I think it was a really good question. And a player's, 
like immaturity is doesn't determine if they're going to play in the NHL or AHL. Obviously, if they do something to screw up, you can just send them down uh, to get a few games. I know uh, Brian Burke uh, sent uh, Getzloff and Perry down just for the hell of it because they bought new cars. Um, that was way back in the day when they were rookies. They bought new cars, and he just wanted to send them a, a message. But the whole league has changed. I, I don't think he's immature at all. Uh, he makes mistakes. He's he's still developing. It's his sophomore season, technically. Um, so it's just it, it, it's going to happen with players. Uh, he has an exuberant personality. He's out there. The game is changing. So players that, that come with that personality, it, it's part of the game changing. Uh, I don't think he's too immature to handle responsibilities in NHL. Uh, his interviews, he's always just a team-first guy, blames himself for things. He gets frustrated. He, he's a competitor. Um, he definitely does not belong in the AHL one bit at all. He, he would just, That would be just the worst decision any coach can make unless uh, far from he does some off-ice issues, which he seems like he has a really good head on the shoulders listening to him talk on other podcasts. The Spitting Chicklets that I listen to, he just... All he does is wants to keep to himself, play video games, watch the sunset from his house. And he's just, he, he's a, a new breed of hockey player who changes the game. And he's not too immature to play in the NHL. Just, yeah, he's going to make mistakes. He's, he's still a kid. We have to understand that even though uh, his play style, but he, he's still young. So we have to really take that into consideration. But no, it, like immaturity-wise, I think he's really mature for his age. And he can handle responsibilities. I know people have asked before when I had the, uh, the whole captain thing, the whole captain article of him. I'm not saying he shouldn't be a captain because of his immaturity or a mature level. I just want him to develop properly and not have the extra responsibility of having the team on his shoulders just, just yet. This guy is a franchise player. and He's going to be... Uh, he's probably going to have his number retired, if I can say that, uh, on the Ducks one day when he dies retire. That's how good he is. And that, and it's just stealing. He, he's not even touching the potential of what he has right now. Zegris is, is going to be one of those franchise players that's going to lead this, this team to to a Stanley Cup one day. And I guarantee I can say that right now. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's too immature. He's playing a, uh, to the NHL. And if he ever goes to the AHL and gets sent down, Akins and Verbeek should be fired for that move unless he does something that's going to be uh, hindering the Ducks or are bringing bad publicity to the Ducks on an off-ice level. Yeah, I, I think that's the worst thing to do. I, I, there's, there's no question. You know, you're not going to send him to the AHL. I don't think he's immature. I, I just think he's been inconsistent lately, and that's kind of what Verbeek talked about in, in, um, on the Duck stream and to the media and whatnot is he's just been inconsistent, and he's been making some mistakes here and there. Uh, part of the growing pains of going through this game, but I'm with you. He's you know he's supposed to be a future part of this team, a future uh, core part of this team, and you know whether or not he's captain down the road or not. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it seems like Verbeek's going to wait on that too. But um, yeah, I, I'm fine with what he's doing. I, I mean, he's going to make some mistakes. There's going to be some things that aren't going to go well. So, uh, well, yeah, he's know. yeah he's still a rookie. Like, like I said, his sophomore. Season, uh, look at Detroit Cedar. He like barely has his first or second goal of the season. He's been underplaying over there. He won the the Calder uh, the Calder Trophy or, or Rookie of the Year last season. It's part of it. Like when rookies come in this league, players don't know who the hell they are, so they give them more like leverage and they like they don't cover them as hard. Now Zegers made a name for himself. He's he's pretty much the face of the NHL right now with the cover and what he's been doing. Teams take notice of that and they're covering him harder. 
He's going to make mistakes. He has more pressure on him. It's called a sophomore slump for a reason. It's not just him. All the players that have their sophomore season come into that. Look at Nathan McKinnon. He's probably one of the best players in the world, if not the second best player in the world. He had a sophomore slump too. It just it happens. These players are finding their game. They're finding their groove. They're finding who they are and developing. The key word is developing. So we, we, we can't just like write him off for the mistake. He, he's going to make mistakes. It's a, it's a given. He's not going to be the player that he was last season. He's not going to get away with the moves he made last season. This season is different. Players are keen to him. They're on to him. They're going to pressure him more. So we have to be just let him ride out. Let him find his game. And trust me, this this player is special. He's going to just he's going to take the lead by the storm, which he already is. Yeah, I mean, everything you said, I don't really have anything to add uh, other than, you know, he's got 20 points in 23 games. So, I mean, he's he's not doing horrible, you know. And, and I don't think he's immature. I think he just has a fun personality. So, oh, I love it, and, and his hair is awesome too. So throw it out there. His that always is awesome like, flow, awesome flow. Yeah, that's, that's important. That's always important too. <laughs> All right, with, with that, we're gonna start getting towards the end of the show. We're gonna talk about a couple little trade rumors going on, and then some league news. So uh, before that, don't forget to check out Fanatics. <clears throat> we're a uh, affiliate with them. You can uh, go to our Twitter and our pinned tweet. There's a link there. Click on it. And they're, they've been doing all kinds of sales all Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I think they still have stuff going on. So if you're looking for some Ducks gear on there, check out uh, fanatics.com. Uh, okay. So some some trade stuff <clears throat> that's come up lately. Uh, kind of interesting. <clears throat> There's another podcast out there. And I don't know, this guy just talks about trades. I just saw someone post it and they were talking about it. But uh, the Pearl of Wisdom is the name of the podcast. You can check it out. Uh, I, I don't know what the guy's real name is, but that's what he goes by. But he talks about uh, Timo Meyer and the fact that he's not going to come back to the Sharks, it sounds like. There's been a bunch of reports out there about him. And he talks about six different teams that he thinks he could go to. And he mentions the Ducks as one of the teams. So I, I thought that was interesting, Eddie. Um you know, whether or not the Ducks would go for him. He's a guy that plays wing. He scored 35 goals last season. Obviously, he can add offense to the team. Uh, his his cap hits, you know, $6 million. He got paid $10 million his last year. Um, the Ducks have cap space. They can take him on. Um, and then he talks about, you know, possible trade. He, he, he thinks, I don't necessarily agree, but he says a second-round pick and then some kind of player, maybe like a Max Comtois, could do that kind of trade. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I saw people talking about it. That's why I threw it on here as a trade thing that had come up. Just because there's already rumors swirling that he's not going to come back to the Sharks and he's going to be on the market. And now this guy mentioned the Ducks. But what do you think? I mean, obviously I would like to have the guy on the team and help the team out. But do you think that that's really a possibility? No. And I would pass on it. And I, I, I've heard this rumor uh, come up too. I don't think he's going to come back to the Sharks next season. Uh, he'll find a new home. He's, he, he's going to get paid. But stranger things have happened. I think the Sharks' main mentality or focus right now is trading Carlson and his 11.2 uh, or 11.5 cap hit. He's been the best defensive player in the league. Uh, he's been just he he got a resurge of energy or something. He's been playing lights out. So I think that the Sharks are main focus on getting the maximum return for him to help their rebuild process too. The Sharks are thirty thousand to one to win the Pacific Division too, same as the Ducks. So you can tell what the odds are of them actually coming up and winning. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. 
Um, I think the Sharks' main focus is uh, unloading that $11.5 million cap hit from Eric Carlson and getting a huge return for him. That's going to be the best return they get. And then Vlastic, too, makes about $7 million a year. Only has six points this season in 26 games. He's been underperforming. I think if they can unload both those contracts, uh, it might pay dividends for them and help their rebuild process. Um, I don't think he's heading to the Ducks, and I don't think it's going to take a second and come to uh, to come to the Ducks. And I, I I think I follow him on Facebook, and I have follow his uh, YouTube page too. So um, yeah, it's it, it's good it's good thought process, but I, I don't think it's going to do it for the Sharks. And I think their main focus is trying to get a. Uh, the max return for Carlson and trying to figure out to do it Vlasic uh, moving forward and they can worry about uh, me or T- uh, Timo Meyer or whatever the hell his name actually I kind of know his name he sounds like a duck already <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no I think we, <laughs> I think they can worry about him the trade deadline I think he'll uh, yeah I, I think a team that takes a chance on him and, and the way he's in playing they're going to want to sign him long term and I don't think he's in a long term solution for the Ducks so I, I, for me I'd, I'd do a pass on him yeah, that's that's my thing. I I just don't know. Like you know, he won a long term contract and how much and yada yada yada. I, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, would he be on the team? Would he help out the team? Yeah, of course he would. But well, he's gonna make about like eight plus million. Like look at a right. Uh, look at Hurdle. Like like everyone thought the Sharks weren't gonna sign Hurdle. And they signed him, so he's probably gonna want a similar contract to that. Maybe more because the cap's going up next season. And I don't think it's it's a, a chance to take for the Ducks for right now. I don't think the Ducks next season will be a contending team next season. So why bring in players that are going to help you just to what get a 20th overall pick? It just doesn't make sense to me. Unless significant changes are made to the Ducks and strides are made. But as of right now, I don't see that. So I, I, I it's a pass for me. Well, yeah, and the Ducks have to figure out some other contracts coming up too, like Zegers and Terry and whatnot. So I mean, oh, you know, he's getting paid. Well, like, yeah, Zegers is getting paid. Terry. Terry is getting paid. Well, the, and they both are. Well, and that's the thing. You're going to bring in a, a guy that's going to cost a bazillion dollars. That's that's why I, I just don't I don't see it happening. I just thought it was interesting. I just want to throw it out there. If you guys want to check out that guy's uh, page, um, he, he like does shows, and it basically he just picks up players that are, are most likely going to be traded, and he just throws out scenarios of where they're going to go. So oh, shall we? Hey, hey uh, we should hit him up. Bring him on the show. Talk some trades. You guys love trades, like it's, fans go crazy for trade talk. Uh, I've noticed that because like, every time we mention trades, fans go nuts. It, it's just it's it's funny, like it's just it's crazy. But hey, we're here to talk about it. And if you guys ha- have any trades or if you guys have any players that you want to see on the Ducks and think of a potential trade, send us a DM and we'll talk about them. Yeah, why abs- not? Absolutely. Uh, another one. We had on there was Hector Torres. He asked about Tanner Yano. What do you think about this guy in Nashville, Eddie? They, he was saying bring him in for Terry and Zegras. Um, uh, kind of pass. I think Nashville has a different system than Ducks do right now, and then they're in a different cap- uh, capability. So I would kind of, I would kind of pass on him. Right now, I would pass on him. You know what? Uh, just like a top of my head, which we didn't talk about. A player that's been underperforming, that's not really working with the system, is Connor Garland from Vancouver. He's been regressed to the third line. He had a really successful season with uh, Arizona. And I know Duck fans are, are, are aware of him. He's been the, the thorn in the Ducks, but he can score. He brings that physicality. I think I can see him on the top line uh, playing with Terry and Zegris and providing that offensive spark. He's kind of a 2.0 comtois. So uh, that's one player that 
I would like to see take a chance on, but his cap hit's too big, and he's been really underperforming. He's not had success in Vancouver at all. Yeah, I mean, that's another one to look at. Uh, I'm with you. You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, then you have Larry Gubo. He asked about Dante Fabro or Alec Martinez uh, as far as uh, defensive help. What do you think about those two guys, Eddie? Great question, Alec Martinez. We can probably get and a cheap deal because Vegas is mismanagement on their players and with the cap they have and the players they have players coming back from like they're trading everyone for future considerations and you know what I want to throw this out there I, I find it so disrespectful and it's appalling and I'm offended that my favorite player future consideration is traded like he's passed around like someone that gets paid to do things that shouldn't be legal that's pissing me off a little bit no and all jokes aside Alec Martinez leads the league in block shots, and the Ducks need that. But why are we going to bring someone right now to help the Ducks get higher in the standings? It doesn't make sense to me. Right now, the Ducks are, as bad as it sounds, in a prime position to get their south out of a rebuild process. Like we, like All I want, it'll be a fail if the Ducks get lower than a top three pick this season. Martinez would be a really good asset to the Ducks if they were in that middle ground or a contending team, especially the amount of shots that he blocks. And we can capitalize on the fact that Vegas has mismanaged their whole cap situation. And we can probably get him for less than what it would have cost if they had the, the, the cap space. But just right now, I, I think we should just wait and see. and We should just trade for assets, trade for the future, and not just trade for... Uh, uh, for a couple wins here and there. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it would be interesting to bring in Alec Martinez. I, I think he would help the team and whatnot. But like you said, you're, you're trying to rebuild this team, not speed it up necessarily. And, and you're also worried about the draft. So I would keep an eye on him, though, because like you said, the Vegas uh, cap situation is, is all jacked up. So they're going to have to do some stuff, too. So that's another team to see you know, what, what they're going to do. So a couple of teams in the division, San Jose, uh, Vancouver, and uh, Vegas, LA too. Yeah, their their quote unquote franchise goalie of the future, Cal Peterson, got, got put on waivers today after uh, he's starting his uh, his his con his three year five uh, five million AAV contract. They put him on waivers. Uh, I guess I don't know. It wasn't his fault uh, last game or yesterday when they lost nine eight to <laughs> to Seattle. That was a wild game. Like I don't know if you saw it or. If you watch the highlights, but that game was just totally wild. And I have Kopitar, unfortunately, on my fantasy hockey team. He only had two points out of the eight goals that he scored. But, yeah, LA's in a funk, too. They don't have solidified goalies. And right now, I think they're playing on just winded dreams. I think reality's in a set with LA, and they're going to be a really bottom feeder team, too. Uh, Yes, they have offense that's sparking. They can score goals, but their defense is atrocious in their goaltending quick is is done he's holding the team together and you just waived your potentially franchise goalie so it's shit time for la so i can't wait to the they're the bottom of the standings but i'm glad that they're up where they are because they're not going to get a high draft pick they'll probably squeak in the playoffs and get bounced out the first round and get that mid-level pick yeah you're right i mean it's it's an interesting situation with him getting sent on waivers very curious to see what's going to happen in la too so there's going to be i think a lot of movement in the pacific division come you know the next couple months and and leading up to the trade deadline so you know just keep your eye on those teams um you know these these guys i don't i don't think these particular players will necessarily come our way but hey there's some players out there to to think about and see where they may move so 
Uh, with that, we'll wrap up with the league news, finish off the show here. Uh, a little bit of more Ducks news and league news. Eddie, have Scott Niedermeyer is joining Canada's coaching team for the uh, Spangler Cup. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he'll be a good asset to them. And uh, the Spangler Cup was uh, actually created. I guess there was uh, opposing sides. Um, it, well, it, it's actually an invitation only hosted by a, a team in Switzerland. Uh, he, uh, Dr. Carl Spangler created the tournament to promote unity and con contact between nations who were opposing sides during the first world war world war say that three times <laughs> um it's hosted in switzerland it's going to be played uh, it's been played uh outdoors each year since 1979 so uh it's like invitation only so it's going to be good that scott niedermeyer is going to be joining the coaching staff on that maybe it's kind of foreshadowing maybe in the future that he wants to uh, maybe be ready to join an Anaheim Ducks coaching staff. Who knows? But good luck to him, and hope Canada takes that. Yeah, it should be interesting. Should be, should be. Uh, he's going to definitely help them out for sure. A um, little bit of sad news uh, that actually just came up today while we we're recording. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's the other team that I like to follow, and you had Latang uh, going out with a second stroke, and they don't know. If he's going to finish the season or if his career's done or what's going on, Eddie. And I mean, man, just unfortunate. That guy's been through so much. This is the second time um, that he had a stroke. And I, I just couldn't believe it when I saw the news today. And I just I just feel bad. I mean, my, my heart goes out to him and his entire family. And and whether he's able to play or not, uh, I mean, it's inconsequential at this point. I, I just hope he's okay, Eddie. Yeah, it sucks to see that. I always want to see a player go out on his own accord, but... Dude, it's your second stroke. Like your family and your quality of life comes before the game. I know it's really hard, a uh, tough pill to swallow. But I mean, you can't. You, you, just I don't know. It's it's hard. But I, I wish him the best. My thoughts and prayers are with him and his family, and I hope that he can uh, doctors or something to figure out what's going on with him, and he can either come back to the game healthy. Or he can just uh, he can leave the game on his own accord and go forward from there. But I wish him all the best to him and his family, the Pittsburgh organization, and their fans. Uh, and your your favorite team, uh, Minnesota. Uh, I guess some bad texting going on over there. You want to talk about Eddie? <laughs> oh yeah, Kaprizov. Like I guess it was his first season. This story was from two years ago. I don't know why it just popped up, but it was funny. So he was uh, playing with Group B, like all the the AHLers, East Coast, like just inv invites. He went to text uh, the captain Jarrett Spurgeon about like, oh, how he wants to play with the best players, not f fucking shit players. But he texted the group chat instead. <laughs> so it's like, and I guess he texted in Russian too. So like all the players had to like translate it, and the the whole thing of it is like everyone just like. What Spurgeon was talking about, how it got all the team connected and everyone starts talking about it. And like people that wouldn't normally talk in the group chat were like commenting. And so, I mean, it, it was a, a mistake by him, but it just kind of brought the team together. And then uh, I guess that, that next day he went in for training camp. Uh, he walked in with his head down all embarrassed. So I think it's kind of a funny story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what's funny is I've seen that too at work with different things too. So it's like... You got to be careful when you have those texts and you have different groups. Oh, dude, we've all done it. I, I've texted group chats accidentally like, holy shit, did I really say that? Oh, the group chat, damn it. Yeah, just just that that's the lesson with that story. 
Uh, let's see. Another one that was kind of interesting was the whole thing with uh, Columbus. Uh, let's talk about that, Eddie, and how uh, you know they may or may not have lost a, a player because he got lowballed. <laughs> yeah, well, Johnny Goudreau, uh, Johnny Hockey. Um, people were so like the Flames fans are so butthurt about that and saying like, oh, he just left and blah blah blah. But apparently. The Flames offered him a contract, but lowballed the hell out of what he was worth. And he said that if they would have offered him, a, or actually his parents came out and said that if they would have given him a contract that that was a fair value that to, that to what his potential was, that he would have stood a flame and been there for eight years, but they didn't. So it's just th- th- this game's a business. You have to understand that these players want to capitalize and make the most money they can. Yes, you have players like Bergeron will take less money, and Marchant from Boston they they both take. Like less money, but this, I think it's bad business practice. I, I get the loyalty and respect for their team and their hockey club. I get that, but like, just think of right now what, what job you're working. I don't care if you're if you're a high schooler listening to this podcast, uh, working for fast food, or you're a CEO of some company. You you want to be paid what you're worth, and if someone pays you less and wants to like keep you on and pay you less, it, it's it's bad practice. So I think the Flames fans need to just relax and. The Flames, just, their bad mismanagement didn't uh, retain Goudreau. But you know what? Look who they have. They have they have Huberdeau and they have Kadri. So they'll be fine. But it's just it's one of those stories. Uh, like I guess their parents are, are a little pissed off. And you know what? Don't ever mess with a mom and dad of a player. Or, or, or mom and dad, we all know how they are. They're going to defend their son regardless or daughter. So it's just the Flames kind of screwed that over and... You know what? It, it, it's working out for the Flames. Uh, they got better players, and Goudreau's kind of struggling. He's up and down with Columbus, but he'll find his game. He's a really good player. Yeah, just interesting uh, to see the parents get in on that and then, then say that, hey, he would have stayed, you know. So I, it's just kind of funny to see that get kind of aired out. You don't always hear that kind of stuff. So very interesting. But, yeah, not wise to piss off the parents. <laughs> oh, definitely not. And and then the GMs had a meeting, and what was this discussion, Eddie? They were talking about something about two minute power play shootout. Like, what what are they talking about possibly changing for the 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 league next season or, or in the future? Well, yeah, Gary Bettman, I guess, like suggested this. Like, this guy needs to go. He's just, I don't know, but they want to consider uh, when a when a team takes uh, when a team gets awarded a power play, either they can take a power play or a shootout opportunity. Which is just, I think it's just stupid. Stop changing this game. I think he has to go. Um, I'm not trying to be political, but like he seems like he's just trying to be woke and the, like the whole like political aspect. He dived in back in the past, and then what he's doing to keep changing the game. Uh, we I've read reports about him telling the referees to to be engaged more, so to stop the fights. It, it just. It seems like he's ruining this game. Like, dude, you never played a single effing game in your life. Don't give like, like what are you gonna talk about? Like, why you keep changing? This game was perfect. This game is awesome. Why are you gonna keep changing it? To give an opportunity to a shootout or, or, or a power play or a, yeah, it's just stupid. I think uh, I think it's time for him to go. Uh, his mismanagement of Arizona too. I mean, it's just I don't know why he's still here. And now I know why fans boo him every single year when he like delivers the Stanley Cup. I think he's a piece of shit. He needs to go. Like, we need someone that's gonna grow this game. Uh, there's a lot of problems with this game still, and I, I don't think he's the future. And it just him trying to change his game consistently is just 
even more proof that he's he's not capable of running this this league right and it's it's wonder why that the hockey the national hockey league is still one of the lowest rated and lowest uh professional sports teams and ever in the united states yeah i don't i don't like this whole thing with two minutes or shootout whatever it should just be like it is how it is now just leave that alone and yeah, I'm with you as far as they need to have a new GM. I mean, or, um, or excuse me, a new um, uh, commissioner. Commissioner, sorry, losing my mind here. Wrapping up the show. Uh, yeah, they need to have a, a new commissioner. Uh, just change it up. He's been in there for so long. It, it's time to you know have a fresh face, like you said. So I'm with you with you know that whole sentiment. Um, I, we'll end on a feel good story, Eddie. Uh, let's talk about Toronto's Marner and his dog, Zeus. Yes, so Marner, uh, he was asked why he puts a Z on his stick and gloves, and he talked about his dog, Zeus. And he loves his dog. He's like, how many kids or anything? And he says that his dog doesn't have a damn clue what he does for a living and doesn't have a damn clue what anyone thinks about him. He just loves his dad for buzzing around and loving him. I think that was an awesome story. Uh, he just loves his dog, and I'm a big animal person. Uh, us and Ducks and Pucks, we're going to post it more, but we're affiliates with OC Animal Care. We, we, we try to share their stories and, and get dogs adopted from them too. But I think this was uh, – just, I just put a little, little stint in my heart right there. Like I, I, I love Marner even more for uh, for his love for the dog. And what my article I wrote too on Thanksgiving about if Toronto was going to make a big move and they want a big elite goalie to bring in Gibson, it's going to be uh, – Marner would be one of them. And now it's like I even want Marner even more, especially because he has that Z for uh, for Zeus. So I think this is awesome. I love dogs, and like I said, if you guys are listening, uh, check out OC uh, OC Animal Care. Uh, share their stories, share their dogs. They have dogs of the week all the time. And if you guys are looking for a pet, I think the best route to do is adopt, because all the these animals, dogs, cats, all they want to do is love. They don't want anything in return. They want love and affection, and they'll give you unconditionally love and affection too. Yeah, amen. Uh, I agree 100%. Uh, it's a good story. You know, I love stuff about uh, pets like this. So just the way to end up the show. But, uh, man, a long one. We, we covered a lot of ground in this show. <laughs> I, I knew this was going to be a, a long one. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we went over a, a lot of different stuff. Um, I'll still put the timestamps in there so you can go You know, look at the sections you want to uh, review and talk about. Uh, thanks for all the support. Uh, like I said, you guys have been great at the games, cheering on the Ducks. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Um, make sure to subscribe. Uh, you can join our Patreon.com slash Ducks and Pucks. Uh, we're also on YouTube.com slash Ducks and Pucks Podcast, so check us out there as well. Um, and we'll keep doing these shows each week. That's kind of how we've been doing it, uh, You know, either Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when they've been playing the games. But uh, appreciate all the support, and let's go Ducks.